You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Hi, everybody. We want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Cookie Monster. And yeah, today I'm in a bit of a different setting. As you can see, I'm outside somewhere. Um, but today, uh, I'm, I'm joined by some very special people and, uh, obviously T-Mac, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So the usual suspect is here. She's there. <laughs> T-Mac. Present. How's it going? Good, good. Lockdown is yeah. over. Total like kind of ish. Total fish kind of Kind of ish. Yeah. Yeah, but um, today today we have some very special guests with us, and um, we're going to be helping us break this topic down, a very interesting topic that we're discussing today. I think a very timely one as well. So I'm going to quickly introduce our first guest, Pastor Craig, PC. He's no stranger to the podcast. You all know PC. PC, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great and excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you after a while. Definitely good to see you, my guy, over yeah. Zoom. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, you, you still look the same. I think. You know, I was, I was thinking maybe there's some, there's some, there's some, some lockdown kilos that could have been um, added on there. But I think you, you still kind of look the same. I put on some weight, guys. I'm actually quite impressed. So, really yeah, yeah. could I think, really. I think well it's a done. moment. It's a, it's a moment for celebration. Um, anyway, indeed. moving on. Then <laughs> <laughs> our other guest today is somebody who's very, very special to us. Someone who's a good friend of ours as well. Uh, we have Simu in the house. Simu, how are you doing? Hi guys, how are you? Good to see you, Simu. Loving that throw that you've you. got going on there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good to see you, Kuda. Tanya, good to see you guys. Good to Pastor see you Craig. Too. Nice to be seen. Cool. So, so guys, I want, <laughs> I, want us to, I want us to get straight into this one uh, because, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's a very timely topic. So today we're going to be talking about the whole issue of spiritual manipulation and abuse in the church. Uh, so... I know it's a it's a it's a bit of a, an interesting one, and but I think you know it, it's quite a timely one as well, just because of just because of where we are and where we find ourselves in the world today, because of all that all, all the different things that we've seen happen uh, with you know there's just so many different cases of church leaders who are doing stuff. There's different cases of church you know just like yeah the people being treated funny. Um, in, 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 in church. The last episode we did was on, on Ravi and that whole um, topic and that whole subject, everything that happened there. And I think this is just, this is a, a necessary spin-off because uh, these two topics, I think, are very closely linked together. So maybe we can, we can just start by, by, by talking about that. I know, PC, in, in the last episode that we had you, we, we kind of spoke about this, that there's a, there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of um, issues that happen in church. And sometimes people don't 
know how to deal with them because you know it's it's a church issue it's a church leader and church is supposed yeah. to be this safe space so what mm-hmm. happens when the safe space ceases to be to be to be safe and i know this is a particularly um important subject for ladies because i know you know a lot of ladies have experienced um stuff you know um in in church so so what and pc i'm directing this one to you what would you say um is maybe the cause of all of this you know why, why would somebody who's serving god and um maybe either leading a flock or leading some sort of a an aspect of a of a church or ministry um feel the need to abuse people either physically sexually uh, mentally spiritually all of that stuff i think i think that would be my first question oh well <laughs> what an interesting first question why would somebody <laughs> want to do that i obviously know that an abuser doesn't have something in their head written abuse but a software or an app that tells them to abuse they want obviously some sort of gratification at the expense of somebody's freedom and somebody's um peace and joy if you want i guess what what's basically happening uh in terms of acts of abuse on account of uh, people within our sphere is that we've got um I want to be careful of my words here, but let me just use with broken individuals, or maybe let me let me let me say compromised uh, leaders insofar as their their values and their work of God is concerned. As such, they give into um, carnal inclines, and um, obviously, act these out on um, unsuspecting or maybe uh, vulnerable members. That's what I would say. So, what what causes people to do that? Number one, the person in themselves, there's something that's gone wrong within their walk with God, vis-a-vis their value system and um, what is right and wrong. Uh, and then that, which is happening in the heart and mind and spirit, if you want, then obviously plays itself out on um, people who are looking for help, people who are looking for inspiration, people who are perhaps even vulnerable. Um, uh so to speak so so that's that's what happens something is wrong with the person and then there's an unsuspecting person who then becomes a, a victim to that that's what i would say in, in very short yeah wow so you know what one of the questions that i constantly ask ask myself because i'll be honest and say i was one of those people who just thought there's no way such things can happen in church you know i was just for me it was just like no man like never um until i started hearing you know just different cases you, you have conversations i've got several lady friends that i that, you know that i've had conversations with somebody somebody will tell you about something that happened and you're like whoa okay what what's what's going on there um and so simu i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one to you to say that do, do you do you feel that um this is a case of how can i even ask this properly i guess is is it a, is it an issue of people coming into a church space with their guards down right and the follow up mm-hmm. question to that would be are we not supposed to come 
<laughs> to to church to you know to, to a leader with a trusting attitude or you know because our guards are down we, we've got open hearts open minds so i'm saying do you, do you feel like it's a case of people yeah. being too too trusting or something like that um you know what could i i i, I have gone through abuse and one of the things that i i know to be true is that you know we tend as human beings to put other human beings at a at a pedestal right we think other people highly than others so when you see the minute you see a pastor you're going to give that person a very high standard you know in terms of your expectations of them if i see you could I, and i put a pastor by your side i'm going to look at that pastor and think nah it can never happen and then i look at kuda and i'm like kuda there's a possibility just because there's no title that comes with kuda so you you find that like you're saying the guard is down because already number one i'm thinking they are not human to me first you see they are a pastor first and i I am thinking my assumption is that they've got the word of god they know god because they're pastor which is not true has been proven to not to not be true um just because one is a pastor does not mean they know the word they probably got a title some churches give title according to how much you give so you are right in the aspect that when when we enter into a space whether it's a church and even schools you know but in this instance we're talking about a church is our guards are down because first and foremost the leaders to to most people are not human beings they are just uh, these high people you know okay. they they are higher than human beings they are people that carry the word of god they are people who are supposed to speak truth they are people who are supposed to guide in all truth they are people who are supposed to protect and therefore you know you enter in like a child you're so trusting you're like you know what i'm sure nothing will happen here and i think that's the biggest mistake that we do um because church is church is people first of all you know you come in as a member of a church and then you're probably given leadership according to certain things but first of all you are in a group of people people that you do not know you know number one you don't know them you just you're now a part of that church you now know them as the pastor you don't know them you don't know where they sleep you don't know what they eat you don't know what they are thinking and so i i think the greatest mistake that we do is enter into a church with our guards down but hmm. uh, pc uh, yes um coming <laughs> before you ask the question uh-huh. i also think uh, besides uh, the guard being down uh, there's also the issue of the imbalance of power that exists yeah between Uh, between people in authority i don't want to say pastor because church is is very broad but yeah, people okay. in authority and they are abusers why i'm saying this is because sometimes you can have uh pastors let me just use pastors as an example pastors being um abused in courts by other pastors right you right, can have a bishop right. being abused by hey i'm not a bishop so yeah. right right So one one of the other factors that we must notice the power the imbalance of power there by whatever okay. authority whoever is receiving it let me take out pastor you and I are brothers um when a yeah. prayer meeting i encounter a lot i prophesy to you i pray for you and things happen naturally already you defer to me there um, yeah. as a person 
who is helpful to you. And though you may be aware of things that happen, there are certain moves I can make which may be difficult to spend because of that imbalance of power. So I may be aware, for example, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a young man or a young lady because anyway, abuse yeah. is happening across sexes. Right? I know yeah. that things like this happen, but supposing the bishop of this 100,000 uh, member church holds me, you know, in a private space, uh, for example, and then just make certain things, how am I going to say no as it were? So one of the other reasons that's, uh, that I'm just adding to what my sister shared there is uh, there's also the power dynamics at play, which sometimes, even though we know things happen, uh, can lend um, such situations uh, to occur. Okay. So I think we need to just maybe backtrack a little bit and maybe define what we mean by spiritual manipulation. I think we all know what manipulation is, what the dictionary says about it. But when you add the word spiritual to it, it takes on a different connotation. So Simu, how do you, would you define spiritual manipulation? Um, <laughs> I, I think for me, spiritual manipulation is is when someone uses their place of authority in within the church to get what they want from you or to control your walk. Um, you know, there are people, I think like Pastor Craig is saying, you know, not necessarily pastors, but even leaders within the church that will, because you prophesied to me once and things kind of happened or whatever, you know, you start using that power that you now have, because somehow, like he rightfully said, I now view you differently. So you start using that power to kind of get stuff out of me or get me to move a certain way or get me to walk a certain way, because now you've got my ear. Now you've got my attention. You know, one or two times we were together and things were happening, you know, and so now because I'm also giving you kind of that fuel of, you know what, you know, every time you pray, things happen, you know, every time you do this, things happen, you know, and then now, you know, there's, 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 there's enough room to manipulate. Other people go to the extent of when you pray, we have to be together, you know, it's not, you know, oh, you know, fast two times a week. Things like that, where now the control of me approaching God has to be through you and not through God. So for me, yeah. that's that's the manipulating part. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. I also think that um, uh, the name of God, and I want to narrow it down to probably our Pentecostal evangelical circles. The name of yeah. God tends to to vote. the name of God, um, even the Bible tends to be invoked insofar as helping yeah. or cause people to do certain things. So the Lord told me uh, yeah. that this Bible says, if you have benefited from us spiritual things, how yeah. can we not fleshly <laughs> things? Yep. Word, fleshly things? And by flesh, your flesh. That kind of yeah. a thing. So in terms of the spiritual part of it, um, like I'm saying, you're invoking, uh, at least what I know, the name of God is invoked, the word of God is invoked, and um, your problems are linked, or so your solutions are always linked to ex sexual acts, if, if, I can, if I can put it. All right? So we need to have a covenant 
that's going to break. I actually heard of a case where somebody um, has had failed marriages. And so the pastor says, uh, you've got a spiritual husband, I think, or uh, you've got a curse that was in there that was established sexually. Hence, you can't maintain a marriage. And in order to break this, we need a sexual um, act and an encounter to bring finality to this. Uh, maybe my words are a little bit too simplistic, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is solutions are linked to sex, right? So your barrenness, for instance, and this has happened even in some of the sex, at least what we call sex here in Harare, or Zimbabwe yeah. rather. Sometimes women go with barrenness issues, uh, and so the prophet, not our usual type of prophets in our, in our Pentecostal charismatic evangelical circles, but those prophets tend to then link sexual acts with the victim, so to speak, to their solution. So, so like I'm saying, the name of God invoked, the word of God, the Bible invoked, and then linking your solutions to your problems with uh, with acts that are obviously sexual. Hence, the manipulation comes in. Then we be hmm. told, don't tell anybody. So, yeah. wow. I mean, we're listening to that and we're thinking, why on earth would you fall for that? Like, I would yeah. run. Yeah. But obviously, there are people who succumb to this, to those sort of situations because they, like you said earlier, Simo, this person is not a human being in your eyes. They're this man of God, obviously, whatever, or woman of God, whatever they're yeah. saying has to be the truth. Would they lie to me? Why would they lie to me? Like you go through this whole process in your mind yeah. and you justify, could you surely, they can't mean me any harm. Therefore, mm-hmm. what they're saying must be true. So eh, we find ourselves in a very tricky... But, but T-Mac, T- can, mm-hmm. can I just say something about that? Isn't it though that is it not natural for us to expect that of our of our leaders? So the whole we spoke about pedestalizing people. That that word that Kuwaza came up with uh, in one of the episodes. That is it not almost a natural thing for us to put people on pedestals when when there are people we respect and people that we we, we regard highly. Um, and I think. My, I guess, my question to that would be, mm-hmm. where, where then do we draw the line uh, between respecting and honoring our leaders uh, the way the Bible says we ought to, and an unhealthy um, sort of hyping up of them, or an, an, a healthy, an unhealthy per- perception of them in our minds and in our hearts? Where, where do we draw that line? Um, you know what, Kuda, I think one of the things for me that's really sad, like, especially when I look at my generation, maybe it's, it's not knowing the word of God. Um, people really read the word. People really spend time with God. People really, you know, search out scripture for themselves. Even when, when a leader says something from the pulpit, it does you better to go home and look at what you learned. This is why we take notes. Some people take notes because they want to be seen in church as people who take notes. But the reason that you take notes is so that you know how to appropriate what has been spoken. 
And, um, you know, the reason you read the word of God is when, so that when a pastor says, you know what, for you to get a blessing, give me your Lamborghini. You're like, ah, listen here. I need to know, but the word does not say that. You know, but most of the time, why it's so easy, especially in the church setting, for people to be manipulated using God is because they do not know what God says. They do not know the word of God themselves. They do not take time. They are waiting for someone else to say, God said, God spoke to me last night. And we don't understand that all of us have access to God. All of us can speak to God. All of us can hear what God is saying. At most, if you're going to come to me, it has to be some form of, some sort of confirmation. Yes, there are times where God will exclusively speak to someone else about you and he hasn't really spoken to you. But really, does it happen? Most of the time when someone then speaks to you, you kind of like, hmm, hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, so I I think, and, and the aspect of, the leader is a person, you know, and I, and I think it's also important to have accountability. When a, when a leader or whatever calls you into a meeting, why are you there, just the two of you, you know? Um, go with someone, tell them, you know what, I'm not comfortable, or, you know, can I come with whoever, and things like that, and let it be in a place where there's accountability or there's visibility of other people seeing the two of you in a place. Don't meet a leader in their home, in the kitchen, in the bedroom, you know, or something. Go to a coffee shop and, and things like that. And okay. fortunately, yes, they're supposed to be the carriers of truth and we're supposed to be feeling protected by it. But right now, things are proving that it is not so. There are people who are within the church. The Bible says, be careful of wolves in sheep's clothing. There are people within the church that are leaders, but they are wolves and they are clothed as sheep. They look innocent. They say the right things. They, you know, but their idea or their thrust or their mandate is to actually destroy people, individuals, lives, to steal money, to do certain things. So, yeah. Know God for yourself, you know, be in a place where you're in a church that you are reading the word, you are asking questions. Don't be intimidated. I, I mean, like for me, I, you know, I'm just encouraging people from the place that I'm at. It's very hard for someone to intimidate me or to shut me down. I guess it's because also I've had to learn from a place of abuse what you need to do you know, how you need to view people and how you need to walk and how you need to read the word of God and how you need to carry yourself in a church setting. Yeah. Thank you, Simu. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I love, I love what you're saying because um, essentially they, we need to be Bereans, right? Know God yeah. for ourselves. Seek, um, search the scriptures for ourselves. PC, my, my, yeah. my question uh, tagging on to what Simu just said um, is, is, to do, is to do with that as well. Um, and I'm asking you this specifically, you know, as someone who is himself a pastor and someone who's in ministry, you know, to, to say that, yes, yeah. yes, we're supposed to be like the Bereans. Yes, we're supposed to, to search the scriptures for ourselves. But at the same time, I think there's something rich about having that trust. You know what I'm saying? Like trusting your leader trusting the person who's who's um who's in charge of of the flock or maybe you know just 
maybe it's a mentor, maybe somebody, it's a cell leader. This can happen at any level. But I'm just saying, you, you don't want to have an attitude of suspicion with with mm-hmm. everyone. So um, so how can this be done in a in a healthy in a in a healthy manner? And here I'm, I'm talking about maybe it's somebody who's been through some sort of abuse, you know, with with a leader or whatever. Um, but then you know we they still want to engage with church. It's still important for them to have healthy relationship with leaders how can that um, go about without the suspicion aspect also how can that trust be established um if i'm hearing the yeah. question correctly or how can you have a healthy dose of trust yeah i i want to almost defer to to what's in so far as um our relationship with god is the ultimate marker of what uh, our responsibilities ought to be. So let's not talk about sexual abuse. Let's just talk about deception in general. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The deceiver is obviously going to give an account, but the, dece- the deceived one does not get away with them being deceived simply because there's a, there was a person, whether of authority or whatever, who deceived them. So the person, uh, and I'm, I want to be very careful here what I'm saying so that I'm not looking like I'm justifying abuse or whatever but i'm saying the individual has a role to play insofar as growing in their relationship with god to the place where you're able if you read uh, first john chapter number four perhaps i can read it very quickly if it's sure. there yeah first john chapter four this one please don't believe every spirit but test the spirit to see whether they are from god yes. you see so already just reading that particular verse is already giving each of us a responsibility, and I mean each of us. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the sexual manipulation, um, what you call it, um, subject, and, uh, and with, uh, with justification, normally is aimed at uh, people in authority. But sometimes there's actually reverse sexual manipulation. Actually, by those that are being assisted who come with an agenda, and mm. then suddenly find themselves in certain places. Now, if you are in authority, still this thing applies to you as well right you yeah. must test every spirit yeah. of the people who come seeking counseling help and assistance because some people of authority yeah. or not even authority some people assisting others some people assisting fellow believers you don't realize that the, the, the brother or the sister was seeking and wasn't actually as genuine as they were but now you see the bible says yeah. you must test every spirit so 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 that is important when a person has grown in their walk with god they're able then to tell you know if you go to the old testament the bible says you must know what is holy and what is common right so mm-hmm. it's, it's you, you you get as you grow in god to just be able to tell whether we're still in the spirit here or whether we are out of the spirit um that is probably what i would say to people at um at an individual level i would obviously have different uh counsel to give say to leaders because now if you if you are addressing yeah. and talking to leaders, obviously you're looking at systems that safeguard. Of course, you can't completely 100% safeguard uh, yeah. bad things from happening. But just like insurance, you, you, you must have certain structures, systems, policies, and so forth that can also help um, maintain trust. Why, why, why the trust thing? And I love the question that you asked. Losing trust is easy regaining lost trust is harder than just getting trust yeah okay. yeah regaining lost trust is way harder right yeah not just in in the eyes of victims 
and uh, and so forth. But even in your ordinary people who, as as it were, rightfully trusted you prior to your earnings and so forth. So naturally, from a leadership perspective, uh, you want to be careful of, of, of maintaining that thing called trust. And now we're also living in a world, although to be honest, it's nothing new under the sun. Uh-huh. All right. Of course, it sounds yeah. new, but it's nothing new. Right. We're living in a world right now, which is also to some extent increasingly untrusting, even of the most genuine of of, of ministers. Remember, the the, 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 the the plane that makes the news is the one that crashes. OK. Yep. Right. Uh, you guys had a discussion. Or we had a discussion about Collins a few few weeks ago when I was just oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Wondering in my head. How many other, uh, in quotes, cow lenses are out there which we don't know about because they're not that large? But you see, the ones that are doing well and uh, not abusing anyone or not quoting any any sort of, uh, what you call it, any sort of controversy are far more than the few that are quoting controversy. Who make the news? Now, the yeah. problem becomes now everybody is painted with a brush that, hey, so-and-so did it. You, your face looks like you could just did it as well. <laughs> so I'm saying from a leadership perspective, then we have work to do to make sure we establish systems, structures, policies to ensure that we don't, uh, we don't allow such breaches to occur. And, I, and, and you know what, sorry if I may come in. And I, and I think also, you know, the Bible is telling us even now that the times we are in right now are hectic times. You know, there are, I mean, there's going to be a lot of deception, lovers of self, this and that that's going to happen. And, and, and you know, I understand the whole trust thing, um, but I think it's, it's almost like when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. The one hand was on the wall, the one hand was holding the knife, the spear, whatever it is. It, unfortunately, so right now in the body of Christ, it has to be that way as we are rebuilding the walls of trust or the walls or whatever it is within the church. One wall has to be on the on the on the wall doing the work, and the one hand has to be holding the sword. And for us, I guess the sword is the word of God. We we now when things are happening, you have to have the power within you and the tenacity within you to rebuke that thing or call it out quickly and with boldly and you know um and to be so secure in who you are and in who god has called you to be you know one of the verses that i i saw when i was preparing for this was um matthew 23 verse verse 9 it says do not call any man father for you have one father and he's in heaven and I was like, this is interesting. Why would Jesus say that to the church? Why would Jesus say that to a people who are following him? You know, um, and, I, and I think part of it is to also just safeguard you from the abuse that can come. Power is such a interesting thing, guys. You know, when I know that I have control or power over someone or over a certain group of people, it's easy to manipulate situations, you know, spiritually, sexually, or whatever it is. And so, you know, this whole thing of, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, uh, spiritual father, spiritual mother, spiritual this, spiritual that. For me, <laughs> those things have opened up a whole can of abuse within the church. And I asked myself, where did that come from? You know, and so we have to be careful. If Jesus said, 
do not call anyone father. Surely he knew certain things like this will be happening in the church today. Yes, this, this is hot. This is hot. Uh, actually, PC, it's actually not that over, hot. Over I, I, I don't exactly agree with that. Um, but like I said, when I started, what I think um, Simu is referring to is the power dynamic, the imbalance of yes. power. Yes, yes. Let's, let's, let's come out uh, of the church for a second and let's go to doctors, right? This is a brain surgeon who's just taken a tumor out of your child who was supposed to die. A very reversed place, if I can say, right? Mm -hmm. And supposing they ask you for a normal $10 favor, right, beyond this operation that they did for your child. Yeah. From an ethical perspective, you know, it's difficult to say no to the person that saved your child, even though it may not be right, that kind of a request. So it's the, yeah. power, dynamic, it's the power dynamics that are at play. You find them in the church, you find them outside of the church, you find them everywhere. Um, with regards to spiritual fathers, uh, the, the teaching... Oh, well, it needs to be balanced. Remember, Paul says to the Corinthians, I am your father. You have many instructions. I am your father. So, regards to what is meant when Jesus, I like what you said. When Jesus said, don't call a person father, what did he mean? But I think that might become a whole different debate. But here, coming back to what we're discussing, the power dynamic is what's very critical. Anybody, uh, or rather the imbalance of power, anybody that helps you, right, has an ability to manipulate you, yeah. anybody who helps you in whatever kind or in way and form, or, or rather anybody that's like, okay, let, let me come back to the church again here. Supposing I'm effective at what I'm doing. You come to church, the barren ladies are getting children. People in wheelchairs are walking. People that were literally dead are rising and they're being healed. Already that's a place where there's power, right? And that power, can easily right, be used, uh, or rather that influence from that power and that effectiveness can easily be used to take advantage of people. And it's things that the people that are listening here must be aware of, all right? The people that are listening here. And the ministers that are also listening uh, must also be aware of that as helpers, as caregivers, as solutions, uh, providers, there's always an imbalance of power, which we must be aware of, which we must be aware of. I know we're talking sexual abuse, but it could quite easily be financial as well. Right? Financial. I prayed for you last week. Uh, you had no dollars. <laughs> yeah. And process said that you're going to have a million dollars. Seven days later, you have a million dollars that you can track to my prayer. Yeah. And then I come and I say, wow, you make a project. I've got a project, you know, that just needs 20,000. And so so my word here also is, is also to ministers of the gospel that are listening to say my fellow friends, uh, my fellow uh, workers in the in the field, there is always an imbalance of power we must be aware of so that we don't um, we don't overstep the mark and then unnecessarily in the context of this discussion now bring people to where we play out carnality at best. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's, it's not every, and I, at least that's what I think, it's not every pastor or leader who sets out to be a sexual predator. But it's in the place of power, we are respected, 
where you're honored, where people defer to you, suddenly sexual urges or temptations come into your head and you play them out. So, so if you if you if you're not aware of that of that, you can easily fall into a temptation. It becomes a practice. It becomes until a you are literally taking over all these all these people that are there. So, for my fellow preachers, I would say let's be mindful of the imbalance of power. Let's be very 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 mindful of it. It's um it's something that has obviously led to a lot of these to a lot yeah. of these practices. Yeah. And the thing is, um, PC, who is checking on the leaders? Like, maybe me as someone who's just a lay person can see with the Apavani problem, but I can't just go to the senior pastor and be like, excuse me, um, I feel that A, B, C, D. Whereas, say the person, the pastor in the office next to him sees women coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, and thinks, Okay, pastor is really praying for a lot of women. That's like he justifies it and just thinks that men obviously you must bring for it. Like at no point does this pastor in the office next door think, "Kuti, let me just actually find out what's going on." So, like, how wh- who's supposed to check the pastor or the leader or the whoever it is the one who's in authority? Because everyone else disqualifies themselves from being able to ask, "What are you doing in there with all those ladies?" <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, 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 very powerful question. Very powerful question. Uh, could I, this could be a, a whole topic on its own? Eh? Uh, I remember in some other private spaces we've discussed issues of accountability. For starters, a church that lacks accountability, a, a minister, a leadership that lacks accountability, or even a member. An ordinary member that lacks accountability is an accident waiting to happen. In fact, yeah. a, a government, a politician who lacks accountability is an a, a, is a what is an accident wait, waiting to happen. Spiritually speaking, um, you know when you're talking about you're seeing pastor, <laughs> you're talking about pastor praying for this woman. Remember this story, and it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Jesus says, "I'm hungry." John four, go get me food in the city. The people go there in summary. When they come back, he's standing with a woman. He's not hungry anymore. And the Bible says they, they, they ask nothing. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not use this to defend indefensible things. <laughs> Listen, a, a church member must be able to ask. You, we talked about the Bereans. The reason why why they they check scriptures is because they're trying to validate what was being said and from there we can learn that whatever else we do in terms of our practices because our practices they they reflect our beliefs or our doctrines okay so if there's a certain practice that seems uh, suspicious a person who means well must be able to approach you ask you ask me so who checks on who number one the believer themselves right is allowed in the spirit of love, not of drama, not of rumor mongering, not of uh, pasting it on their WhatsApp status to say we don't know what's <laughs> going on these days, or just to put it on mm-hmm. Twitter to say, you know, be careful. Uh-uh. But in a good and orderly manner, because the Bible says everything must be done in order and decently. Because remember, we've got a body of Christ to, to safeguard here. So the believer at the first instance must be able to ask questions about any and everything. 
I think if there, if you're a church member listening to me right now, let, let me make that abundantly clear. There's no way where the Bible, uh, resto- uh, uh, what can I say, stops you from asking questions of accountability within a good heart. That's number one from your leadership. That's a, that's a, to to the leaders, to 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 the ordinary members, to leaders who are listening to me right now. Like I've already alluded to earlier, uh, people of God. Let's assume I'm a pastor. I'm a single ministry pastor, single church pastor. I've got I'm, I'm, I'm I've got my own church. I must have accountability. I must have people that are able to speak into me. I must have people that are able. Um, supposing I've fallen. Because sometimes people fall, not necessarily sexual um, uh, manipulation. How about pure sexual falling or financial falling or failing or whatever other issue the pastor is struggling with? They must have people, for instance, who are able to, to restore them because the gift and the calling is without repentance, right? God hates the sin, not the sinner. It applies to ministers. So they must have people who are able, supposing they need to step aside a bit to walk through with them and so forth. Supposing we've got bigger and uh, larger church systems, uh, obviously they must be even more robust. You know, the bigger the church, yeah. the more damaging any sort of controversy is. So whilst um, I, with my church of five people, might defer to just one uh, respected godly leader or maybe a, a council of godly leaders who speak to me, it's totally different if I'm leading a church, say, of 20,000, right? That, from a leadership perspective, must give birth like I'm saying, to probably non-policies, non-procedures, uh, communicated issues and standards, uh, particular notices and information publicly within the context of those regarding issues of sexual uh, abuse and manipulation. What does this do? It now helps the congregation be safe and calm in knowing that there's accountability. And then it allows our systems now to check on whoever is on top how are we, how are we uh, checking what they are doing, right? Whoever they are serving with, because sometimes it happens within a leadership circle. It, 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 it brings that level of accountability that's necessary for the church to go. I hope I'm helping. <laughs> yeah, wow. That is quite a mouthful, but uh, thank you, PC. I think that is, I think that actually deserves its own episode, to be honest. Yeah, but thank you for that. Does. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, uh, yeah so we want to speed along here because our time is, yeah, our time is cruising. My next question uh, that I'd like, uh, whoever wants to take it, is how do we, how does one um, come back from a place of um, abuse? So, you know, maybe this could be somebody who's gone through it uh, in whatever fashion, right? Um, but now, you know, they, they, they need to get back on the, on the road, on the, on the recovery road. What, what are the steps that should be taken um, to restore that person. And should they leave the church where they are, wherever it happens? Good question too. I think for me, like, you know, I think it depends with the type of abuse that happened um, and who did the abuse. And, um, you know, like if, if it's a sexual abuse, for example, let's say it's the senior pastor who has done it. I think the person should leave the church for their own sanity and for just their own peace, they can forgive. 
But seeing your abuser every day, especially a sexual abuser, is not an easy thing. And it, 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 it replays in your mind, it replays in your heart. As much as you try to forgive for and, and forget, seeing the abuser on a daily basis is a very dangerous thing. Um, and, 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 you know, it can actually be dangerous to the person <laughs> to who abused because, you know, one day am I just walking with a gun and, or a knife, whatever it is, and so I think it, depending on the on on what the abuse was and who did it and, and um, I, I really want to be careful and and in at what level you know and things like that because sometimes if it's a it's a cell leader you know the church can easily deal with that and remove them or whatever it is um, if it's spiritual manipulation. I think I wrote on here that some things need to be called out and not in public. You know, 1 Corinthians 6 um, verse 1 to 6 encourages us that we should keep things within the confines of the church uh, and not embarrass each other. Um, and at the end of it all, we are the ones who are going to be ruling over the world. And so the world cannot be ruling over us. I know it's, 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 it's a tricky one, but I think something needs to be called out. If you see that a leader has been abusing you for a long time or, you, or not even long time, or you know you have noticed abuse whether it's spiritual abuse sexual abuse whatever abuse it is if you can approach them approach them if you cannot look for someone and say you know what this is what has happened and can you please help me and don't look for you know blubber mouths you know the ones that are going to run to twitter you know the ones that are going to run you don't need that because what you're aiming for is reconciliation healing and wholeness and you want to move on with your life and um you know from you know, from experience, I think it's the whole thing of take it one day at a time. You know, um, if if you need to speak to that person, if apologies need to be done, if um, a plan needs to be made on how the the healing process is going to happen, take it one day at a time. And if you need to avoid that person for a while, then do it. You know, uh, don't force things. That's what I would say. And and. In terms of trust, it's going to take a while to build the trust. And I would say one hand <laughs> on the work and one hand with the sword. I mean, because, you know, I, I, I don't know how to emphasize, especially if we if we look at sexual abuse, it is the most demeaning thing that could ever happen to someone. It is the most devastating thing that could ever happen to someone. It is the yeah. most horrible thing that could ever happen to someone and to ask someone to quickly forgive or to quickly forget or to face their abuser is just inhumane <laughs> for lack of a better word you know um but it will it will take time i i for me for example you know, I, I got sexual abuse at a very young age, and it is only after I got married that God brought me to a place where he got me to say, you need to call this person and release them. It was hard. I mean, this is years after, you know, it was still hard. And up to now, I had to, you know, I called them, told them what they did was wrong. Um, it affected me years later and, and things like that, but I released them and I, I released them, I forgave them. But it's not that, you know, we can text each other now to say, hello, how are you? No, that that line they crossed and I cannot go back there, you know, but, yeah. you know, I wish them well, happy life. You know, they've got their kids and everything like that. But it, 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 it takes so much. 
Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Simu. Uh, PC? Yeah. Okay, so um, Simu just raised a number of issues, some of which I'm, I'm, I'm being tempted to, to look into. <laughs> and in a good way, please. In a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Okay. Um, supposing I've been abused, let's look at the person who's been abused. Uh, the first thing is the person that's been abused needs to find help, right? Yeah. Help so that they can heal. That I think for me, if that is sorted properly, that is very, that's probably the one step that leads to complete healing. If they find help, obviously within um, the safe confines of, and safe confines of the church, that's going to bring um, a healing that's necessary. And I want to emphasize healing here because sometimes yeah. uh, certain processes happen and no healing. Why I'm saying this, I have preached before that Paul worshipped with people whose families he murdered. Okay, or whose relatives he murdered, and there was no issue, right? Mm. The thing, um, the thing that happened is he was opened up into the church, and I must be careful how I'm saying it, lest uh, I misconstrued here. But I'm trying to say that uh, in a normal church, you know, the vilest of offenders, the vilest of sin, must find uh, of sinners must find the door open where they can find Christ and be restored, not to continue sinning. Because remember, Jesus <laughs> says to the woman was caught up in adultery, go and sin no more. No. That's, uh, so that's number one. The, the person that um, has been abused needs to find help to get healed and to get whole. For me, the evidence of healing becomes your attitude beyond what you have gone through, which is uh, sad to say, very, very unfortunate. Some people yeah. claim to be healed who have not been healed. Right. Remember, that, uh, all of us have sinned against God, and yet God is forgiven. One of the evidences of healing is forgiving and uh, forgiveness. And, and, and then, obviously, trust and healing, two different things, right? Yeah. Trust and forgiveness, rather, two different things. Forgive instantly, we do not trust instantly. Right? We never trust mm -hmm. instantly. In the, in, the bigger, in, the bigger, in the bigger setting of the church, um, something must happen to the offender. I know you guys probably didn't ask the harder questions like, okay, <laughs> someone be arrested. That's right? Exactly what if part of my healing involves the person being behind bars? The truth of it is, whether a person is arrested or not, you may still not you. But listen, um, there's issues like that. The offender, something must happen to the offender, number one, to address what they have done. Yeah. Something must address what have done. So if I've abused somebody and it's known, and then nothing happens to me, the abuser, we have a very big miscarriage of justice in the eyes of God. Yeah. Forget yeah. about the land. Yeah. Remember Amnon raped Absalom's sister, and David did nothing about it. He was pissed off about it, but he, mm. he absolutely did nothing. And that caused a whole bigger mess because that was not addressed. So when, when abuse of whatever nature has been um, discovered, something must happen to the offender or the perpetrator. Now, depending, I like what uh, Simu said, depending on what, what kind of abuse it was, the sanctions or the, and let me not use sanctions, but the actions that must be taken, obviously, obviously differ, right? So a person who has had a, a sexual contact, a raw sexual contact, as it were, uh, might be slightly uh, treated different to somebody that's saying very suggestive sexual things to people, all of those are levels of abuse, right? But mm -hmm. perhaps how we may deal with those 
may not be necessarily similar. So in, in short, um, something must be done for the offender. Now, depending where you are, it, sometimes it's, it's necessary for someone to move. Sometimes it's necessary for someone to move. Yeah. Normally, with regards or respect the, uh, the offender, actually, because when a person abuses somebody, That's they good. just have abused a victim, but they've probably uh, hurt a lot of other people within mm. the church. Yeah. And so even if the yeah. victim and them are okay in a sense, sometimes other people are now smarty, right, from the pain that was mm -hmm. caused by this action. And to some yeah. extent, it may even cause division. Now, again, I like what Simu said, it's not a very easy thing, babe, because what if yeah. the person is the founder of the church? for instance, or what if it's a larger-than-life person, but still something needs to be done. So sometimes, yeah. um, in, in terms of movements and so forth, usually the offender uh, ought to be the one if movement is necessary to move, right? Of course, sometimes it necessitates the movement of what of the victim for whatever reason, right? Um, to, to, to ensure like I said, the unity of the body as well. Here I'm now talking beyond the actual act that happened, but the cohesion of the family of God, or rather a local assembly, say, you're seeing a pastor or a leader, mm. or that person, and that person, and we're sitting and we're saying, ah, you know, uh, brother so-and-so, he's the guy that did that to sister so-and-so. <laughs> so sometimes issues like that, they necessitate a uh, movement for the sake of the unity of the saints and the cohesion of the body. Yeah. Okay. So our so time is is gone. It's like <laughs> literally, literally gone. So what I'm gonna <laughs> Yeah time time moves when you're having fun. I think I think I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to the producer and maybe we'll try and have a part two because there's so much to unpack here. Um so maybe if I can just have very, very uh, quick uh, parting shots or closing closing points from from everyone then we, we wrap it up. Um, I'll quickly say, you know, um, leaders are people first to anyone out there listening. <laughs> leaders are people. Um, yes, they've got a title, but they're people. Um, and then, you know, if you have been abused in what, whatever form it is, I think like Pastor Craig said, you know, seek help. I think that's my closing. Okay. Thanks, Simu. Thanks, Simu. PC. Thank you. Um, I think uh, from a leadership perspective, I would say we must establish um, systems of accountability, uh, systems of accountability and systems that address such matters. We must be proactive. Don't let uh, events overtake you. Don't let an, uh, a scandal yeah. Yeah. lead you to establishing commissions, establishing policies and rules. We know what's been going on in the world. It's best to already have some sort of structure systems accountability to ensure that yeah. uh, we don't um, continue to perpetuate this as well as to always win trust because the issue is not always that sexual abuse um, doesn't happen or mistakes don't happen but it's winning trust sometimes how you deal with the scandal wins more trust actually because you've That's been good. genuine that kind of a thing so from a leadership perspective let's, let's establish structures and systems that bring maximum accountability. It helps us and keeps us from repeating those same things. Thank you, PC. Uh, I'm gonna go next and then T-Mac, you, you can wrap it up. Um, I would say so, so, so many things stood out for me today. 
Um, but the one thing that you said that I think is very important that we often forget is the, the point that the church still needs to be a place um, for healing, still needs, still, still needs to be a place um, whose doors are open to even the vilest, the most vile of, yeah. of sinners. So, you know, it's very easy to to vilify and to to just write people off, you know, when, when they've done horrible things to people that we know or to people that, or even to us. But I think a, a, an important thing is to always remember that the church is a place for people to find healing. You know, even the worst of people mm-hmm. um, still need to be to be in the church and that no one is outside the reach of God's God's grace. I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. Amen. I would say stay woke, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't just come to church and, and, and leave your brains at the door. <laughs> yeah. So That's good. Activate your intellect as well when you're listening to things, when you're being told things, um, as well as your faith. Don't, yeah. Don't <laughs> stay, stay woke. <laughs> Well. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you guys. We really do hope we can have a part two because we really just scratched the surface. So Definitely. thank you, Titi. Thank we you, need a part two. Yeah. Thank we you, guys. Thank you for having me. Topic. Thank you for availing yourself. All right. We'll see you cool. soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Cheers. This was cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.